0: Open up to Genesis chapter 12. We're starting our brand new series this morning, Missio Christi. We'll be camped out here for a few months, so get comfortable with it. Genesis chapter 12, we'll read that in a few minutes, partway through the sermon, so just kind of keep your Bible open to that. Let's go to the Lord now and pray over this new series. Lord, we thank you for this fresh season in our church and in our campuses here in Carpentry and Ventura. We thank you for the opportunity this season to know you more, to experience more of you, to love you more in response to your love. We ask that Jesus, for our church, you would expand the capacity of our hearts this season to know you. We would experience more of you And we also ask, wanting to be responsible, the scripture and the gospel, you would help us to obey you more this season. That we would be that fruitful vine that is abiding in you, that gives forth much fruit, Lord. That we would be rooted in you, tapped into living waters, giving forth fruit in due season. Cause us to be those people, Lord. We ask that in this next season of our church that you would Deal with our selfishness, Lord. You would deal with our ungodly compartmentalization of our lives, Lord. Our unscriptural division between the secular and the mundane. You deal with our over-concern for money, power, position, influence, reputation. That you'd cause us to be a more humble and obedient, loving people, Christ that in this season, you'd work in us to better represent you to the world and that you give us a bigger vision for your glory and your gospel and your kingdom and your mission and that we would be men and women who are on mission and in motion for your purposes, for your name among the nations. So Lord, work in us and work in us right now. We ask together that you would help me to teach and to preach your truths, that I want to get in the way, that you would increase, and that every word that comes from these lips would be from your throne and for your glory. We ask that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to spend the next few months here growing together as God's people as we journey through this series entitled Missio Christi. Missio Christi is Latin for the mission of Christ, Why are we using Latin? Because it's more fun than English in this case. It just sounds more cool than the mission of Christ. It just sounds cooler. At least it does to me, Missio Christi. So the mission of Christ. Mission means sending. So we're looking at the sending of Christ, the mission of Christ. And we draw our inspiration for this series from the words of Christ in John chapter 20, verse 21 where Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to you and to me, as the father has sent me, I also send you. That's what we're going to be exploring this season. That's what we're going to be unpacking. What does it mean to be sent by Jesus in the same way that Jesus was sent by the father? How do we do that? We realize that Jesus was sent on a mission by the Father for the glory of God and the betterment of humanity. Jesus was sent on a mission by the Father for the glory of God and the betterment of humanity. And in the same way, we, the church, are sent on a mission by Jesus for the glory of God and the betterment of humanity. And so we're going to explore that reality. What does it mean to be sent by Jesus and the way that he was sent? Today's kind of an introduction to the series. And today we just want to start to unpack just a little bit the biblical concept of mission. Two overarching goals that we have for this series. Number one, we want to recapture as the church our sense of sentness. We want to recapture this John twenty twenty one 21 reality that we've been sent like he was sent. Recapture our of, sense of sentness. Somehow it's been lost in the mix of church. One of the goals of the series is to recapture that. The second goal is we want to learn to do mission like Jesus did mission. Jesus is our ultimate example. He's our model. So how do we do mission in the world like Christ did mission In the world. And ultimately, what we want to see is every Christian liberated to be on mission and in motion in his or her immediate context. Every Christian liberated, set free to be on mission and in motion in his or her immediate context, meaning where you are right now. Not going anywhere, but where God has you right now. We want to see every Christian beginning to live with missional intentionality. Missional intentionality. Many of you have been on mission trips and you know when you go on a mission trip that everything is intentional. Right? Where you're going to be and when you're going to be there and what you're doing. And if you're engaging in commerce, it's for the intention of communicating the gospel. If you're doing mercy ministry or helping out or doing that, it's intentional. Everything that you do on a mission trip is intentional. What we want to do now in everyday life is get on a new trip. We want to be on mission and live missionally, intentionally. Purposeful about the purposes of God and our immediate context. We want to be found living for the grand purpose of God, existing for something bigger than ourselves and our own drama and our own wants and our own dreams, but for the reality of God and the plans and the purposes of God. Understanding that we've been invited into that through the Great Commission. And the exciting thing is to hear that invitation and to respond. The tragic thing is to ignore that invitation and to go on living lives for ourselves. So we want to see every Christian liberated to live on mission and be in motion for the glory of God. So what we'll do then is we'll start today by studying the biblical concept of mission. The biblical concept of mission, because there are some misunderstandings. So we need to ask, what is mission? Notice that I keep saying mission and not missions. Okay, I, I, I've come to abhor the term missions because it's messed us up in our mind. It's got us thinking that it's something those people are doing over there. So I want to drop the S permanently and start to talk about mission. And reframe that as being right here and right now. So, we're going to try to explore the biblical concept of mission a little bit in the next couple of weeks. What is it? Where does mission come from? And who needs to be on mission? Those are the questions we'll answer for the next couple of weeks. And then, beyond that, now for the rest of the months, we're going to study the methodology of the mission of Christ. How did Jesus? Do mission. How did he interact with the world? How was Jesus sent? Who did he go to? How did he love people? When did he confront people? In what ways did he reveal truth? And so in light of how he did it, how do we do it? So what we'll be doing then in those sermons is we'll be looking at all these awesome vignettes from the Gospels. We'll be journeying through the Gospels together. We'll spend months in the Gospels. We'll be looking at stories like the woman at the well. We'll be seeing how Jesus dealt with lepers. What did Jesus do with little Zacchaeus who was in the tree? How did Jesus handle the woman who was caught in adultery? What was his interaction like with the Pharisees? We'll be looking at all these vignettes one by one, journeying through the Gospels, discovering how Christ did mission. And each sermon will have two parts. The first part will be how Christ dealt with those people, illustrating to us how Christ deals with humanity, how Christ deals with us. This will be the part of the sermon where the Spirit will be ministering to us, healing us, working in us, because we'll come to see ourselves as the women caught in adultery, We'll come to see ourselves as the lepers whom God touched. We'll come to see ourselves as Zacchaeus into whose home Jesus entered. And so the spirit will minister to us through that first part of the sermon. Here's how Christ reaches us and the world. And then the second part is how do we then reach the world like Christ? Who are the women at the well in our culture? How do we minister to them? Who are the women caught in adultery? Who are the lepers? Who are the Zacchaeuses? And how do we then do mission like Christ did mission? Now, I feel a need to justify this series. Why are we doing this? And the first thing I'll say is this. Because this is what the Spirit has to say to the church, this church and our campuses in carpentry and Ventura. This has not come through some crafty invention of my own. This has come through times on my knees with the staff on our face before the Lord, seeking God for what he has to say to our church in this season. And so I believe through prayer that this is how the Lord has led us. More pragmatically now, Why is this study series, excuse me, Missio Christi, needed at this time? Why do this right now? And I will say it is because there is a fundamental failure in the modern American church that needs to be addressed. And this fundamental failure has us Frozen. This fundamental failure is keeping us from living life on mission. What is that fundamental failure? Well, it's multifaceted. Three points that we'll address right now. The first failure is a failure to understand the biblical concept of mission. What is it really? What isn't it? The second is the failure to understand ourselves... As the church, our identity in Christ is the people of God. And the third failure is a failure to understand our context as being North America. Are we really getting the culture in which we're living and how we interact with that through the gospel? So the first failure, how should we understand the biblical concept of mission? And when we seek to understand that, we'll start with God. Because mission starts with God. Understand that God is the inventor and the initiator of mission. We often think of mission as something the church invented, it's something the church does, it's something the church has dreamt up, but it's not. God dreamt it up. God is the initiator of mission. And all mission is God's mission. And all ministry is God's ministry. He's the initiator. He's the owner. He's the author. He's the finisher of it. And so, what we need now when thinking about mission is a theocentric understanding. I know it's a slightly big word, but we're ready for these kind of words. A theocentric understanding. Theos, theo, meaning God. Centric, meaning centered. You know that. A God-centered understanding is what we need when we think about life on mission. It needs to be centered around God, the purposes of God, the heart of God, the revelation of God, and the gospel of God, as opposed to Another big word, but you're ready for it. An ecclesiocentric understanding. Ecclesio from ecclesia, church. We don't want a church-centered understanding of mission. Mission is not derived from the church. It's not owned by the church. It's not authored by the church. It's owned, authored, and derived from God. So we want God to be the center of our understanding of life on mission. We want a theocentric understanding, not a anthropocentric understanding. That means man-centered. A man-centered understanding. When we talk about life on mission, we're not speaking about merely humanitarian efforts. We're not driven merely by the plight of humanity. We're not only looking to relieve suffering and bring about justice. It's not a man-centered thing, mission. It's God-centered. We want a theocentric understanding and not a cosmocentric centric understanding. From cosmos, meaning the world. It's not a world-centered thing. It's not an environmental thing. It's not a global warming thing. It's not a one-world thing. It's a Jesus thing. It impacts all those other things. The church, humanity, and the world. But the source and the center of our understanding is God himself. And the first thing we need to understand is that in his very nature, God is a missionary God. In his very nature, God is a sending God. Now this will be the topic of next week's sermon, the nature of God and how that informs, shapes, and inspires mission. But suffice it to say for this morning, that in his triune nature, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is sender, sent, and sending. He is all of those. And it's in his very nature, because he is love, to reach out and therefore to send. Again, we'll unpack that next week. But for now, we need to know that mission has its origin in and with the very nature of God. So we'll look to have a, oh my goodness, here's a really weird word, A Trinitarian understanding of mission. We'll understand mission through the lens of the triune nature of God. We'll post a glossary online in the weeks to come. (laughs) No, we really are going to. (laughs) The other thing that we must say about God and mission is this. That mission exists because worship doesn't. That's one of the opening lines from John Piper's famous book, Let the Nations Be Glad. First chapter, second line. Mission exists because worship doesn't. In other words, the goal of all mission, all Christian activity is for God to be worshiped, adored, and glorified among all peoples. That's the goal. And we are on mission where and because worship isn't happening. The goal of all mission is for God to be glorified, worshiped, and adored among all peoples. The ultimate goal is worship, not mission in and of itself. Now, there's a very important reason why that is, why the ultimate goal is the worship of all peoples. Number one, because God is worthy of that, amen? God is worthy of the worship of all the nations, And so that's why we're sent on mission to that end. God is worthy of all the worship of all creation. But secondly, humanity is healed in the worship of God. Because all the evils that we see come from idolatry. It comes from a failure to obey. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It comes from a failure to heed the first and greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. And when we fail in that, then we exalt anything or any one as God. That's where our brokenness comes from. That's where the destruction we see within humanity comes from. And humanity is only healed when Christ is in his rightful place upon the throne. And so mission has goal as its worship because God is worthy and in that creation and humanity is healed and renewed. We need not only a theocentric understanding of mission, we need a biblical understanding of mission. We start by saying this, the Bible is a book about God. It's not about you. You. The Bible is a book about God. And particularly, it is the witness of God's mission as it unfolds in human history. The Bible is the normative and authoritative witness of God's mission as it unfolds in human history. And so something that's fun to do is to begin to read your Bible. Here's another word missiologically. In other words, begin to read your Bible with a lens that looks for the mission of God. You see, we don't often read our Bible this way. We read our Bible selfishly. I'm messed up. I I need something. I'm broken. I need something. I'm, I'm dissatisfied. I need something. Something has gone wrong. Where's that answer? What's that one again? But if we start to read our Bibles missiologically with an interpretive lens of God's mission to heal, restore, renew, redeem humanity, we start to see things different. You see, and then the questions about us are answered when we see the mission of God. They're answered in that because it's not about us. It's about him and his glory. And the more that we get caught up in that, the more we are free. Be who God has called us to be. So we we need to start to read our Bibles a little differently. Instead of what should I do? What is God doing? What has God done throughout history? What's he doing right now? And what is he going to do with the whole world? And then the what should I do is answered. Part of what the Bible reveals is that throughout history, God has chosen to work through people rather than independent of people. God has chosen to work through people rather than independent of people. And so we need not only a theological understanding, of mission, and a biblical understanding, but then a historical understanding of how God really does work through people. And one of the first and most profound places we see that in Scripture is Genesis 12 and what God does with Abraham. We could say that a beginning of the mission of God in human history is through the Abrahamic covenant here in Genesis 12, the first three verses. Verse one, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's the fundamental foundational thing I want you to see about the mission of God and our involvement in it. He blesses us to bless others. He called forth Abraham. He sent Abraham. He blessed Abraham through Abraham, a nation and nations would be blessed. We must begin to understand, if we're going to live on mission, that God blesses us to bless others. And we cannot then become the clog in the system. We are so self-absorbed and so self-centered, we want God to bless us just for us. And there's a whole false, wicked, satanic gospel in our country, the prosperity prosperity gospel that perpetuates that. But the truth is God blesses us that we might bless others. He blessed Abraham and said, and so you shall be a blessing and in you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. When we get this, we start to live differently because it's not about us anymore. It's about blessing others. I saw this in my son this week. I was so proud as a father, my eight-year-old son. Uh, you guys have been so generous and people around the world have been sending my little Daisy Lovis. you know, she's been fighting this cancer thing, presents all the time. And uh, she's got more stuffed animals than any human should ever have. It's, it's beautiful, yet sick. But some people who no doubt are parents are really savvy and sweet and they understood what her eight-year-old brother might be going through. So every once in a while, he's been getting a gift in the mail too. And and that's just kind. That's just nice to understand that he's seen all this with his five-year-old sister and he's dealing with fear and insecurity and jealousy as any of us would, as you know, she's got all this stuff being brought to her and everything. And someone sent him a gift card for California Pizza Kitchen this week, 25 bucks. So cool to send to an eight-year-old, you know what I mean? And he got that thing, and we explained to him what it was. We had to do that because he's eight, and it's CPK gift card. So we explained to him what it was, and immediately he thought, I'm going to take my Auntie Heidi and Uncle Johnny out to lunch for this. I know it's her birthday this week. I'm going to bless her and take her out to lunch, And he got some money for a tip and he took that thing and he took his auntie and his uncle and he spent the whole dang wad on them in one lunch. (laughs) And and it hit me that my eight-year-old is getting what so few of us get. He had been blessed to be a blessing. That's the foundation now of God working through humanity. It's God's blessing, it's God's work, but it comes through you and I. So then, we see part of God's mission starting in Genesis 12, and then we see God's mission unfolded across the centuries through the nation of Israel and reaching its revelatory climax in the coming of Christ to the nation of Israel. The ultimate revelation of God's mission, of God's plan, of God's purpose is in the person of Jesus Christ. We learn this in Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son. Jesus is the full and final revelation and the ultimate missionary sent by God. Therefore, all mission henceforth is centered on the person, work, and message of Jesus. No matter what we might do then, in the name of mission, it must be centered on the person, work, and message of Jesus. We don't do relief work merely for the sake of relief. We don't do justice work merely for the sake of justice. We don't do mercy ministry merely for the sake of mercy. We do it to represent the kingdom of God and its renewal and its war against the powers of darkness and the the brokenness of humanity. Yes, but we also do it to build bridges over which we can deliver the gospel of God. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? So we preach the gospel of God. And all mission, all life must have as its center the person, work, ministry, and message of Jesus Christ. Therefore, as a church, we cannot hide. We have an agenda. We don't want people to go to hell. We have an agenda. And if you believe the Bible and you believe in a literal hell like I do, then it'll keep you on track and on mission because it breaks your heart that men and women are going there. God's mission reaches its functional climax in Christ's ministry, death, and resurrection. Everything henceforth looks back to that. It's all centered on his work. And so mission now functions according to the gospel. God's mission continued in the sending of the Spirit to call forth, empower, lead, and gift the church as the witness of God's good news in Jesus Christ. Notice that I said God's mission continued through the church. In Acts chapter 1, the whole book of Acts starts out this way. Acts 1.1, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Notice what Jesus began to do and to teach. Those two verbs, do and teach, in the Greek, they're in the imperfect tense, which means they are an ongoing action, which means... The Missio Christi, the mission of Christ, never ended. It is ongoing. He is still doing. He is still teaching. But now he is doing it through the church. It's not apart from him. It's not void of him. It's not ours. It's still his. It's what he began to do and teach. He continues to do through his own people. God's mission continues today, then, in the worldwide witnesses of churches in every culture to the gospel and the kingdom of Christ. And God's mission is heading toward a consummation, an end. And the end is not the destruction of all things, the end is the renewal of all things. Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there's no longer any sea, any sea, a Jewish idiom, meaning no separations between peoples. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. There is a finish. There is a consummation. There is a goal. And it is a renewal of all things through the person and the cross of Jesus Christ. And he works that renewal. Renewal. Through us today. So then, how should we understand ourselves as the church? How do we understand ourselves as a church? Get this. The church is not the goal of mission or the goal of the gospel. But rather the church becomes God's instrument for mission and the gospel. We're not the goal. It's not as though you get saved and you go to church and that's it. Oh, it's awesome. The church is not the goal. The church becomes the instrument for all that Jesus began to do and to teach. We have some disconnects that we have to deal with. Disconnect number one. We see often our individual salvation an individual worship of God as the goal. That's a disconnect. Let's reconnect, reconnect. The goal is not our individual salvation and worship, though that's important, but rather the renewal of the whole world and the worship of God by all peoples. So when we are saved and when we become a member of the church worldwide, it is not the end, it is the beginning Disconnect number two. We often see the church as a place to get our needs met. That's a disconnect. Let's reconnect. Reconnect. The church is not where we get our needs met, but rather a means through which God meets the needs of the world. That's a radical change in thinking. The church is not about getting our needs met. The church becomes a means through which God in Christ meets the needs of the world. Another disconnect. We often see mission as one of the many programs of the church. Missions. In which we may or may not participate. Reconnect. Mission is not a program of the church. It defines the church. Mission is not something we do out of many things we do. Mission is who we are. We are to be God's people on God's mission. Disconnect. We send people off to other places to do missions. Reconnect. We have been sent to our places to do mission. There's a fundamental misunderstanding. We send people to other places to do missions. Reconnect. We have been sent to our places to do mission. We perpetuate that misunderstanding as a church nearly every Sunday. We're always sending people out to other places on missions trips. And that's good. We're supposed to do that. We bring them forward. We lay hands on them and pray over them for the anointing, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's not bad. It's biblical. That's what the church did with Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13. It of itself is good, but like everything else, we've messed it up. We now sit in the pews and we think, okay, they are sent. They are on mission. They do missions and they do it in other places. We need to somehow correct that to realize that we are sent to do mission in our places. We're not going to stop laying hands on people when they go to foreign countries, but we need to do something else. I don't know what it is. Perhaps at the end of the series, we'll have a sending ceremony for those of us that are going nowhere, but we're getting on mission. I don't know. Yeah. So then we we have a, a loose cursory definition of the church. The church is the people of God Called to God, sent by God for the glory of God to meet the needs of the world with God. There's our identity. That's how we need to see ourselves. One more time and keep it on the PowerPoint. We are the people of God, called to God, sent by God for the glory of God. To meet the needs of the world with God. There's our self-understanding. Ascent people for the glory of God. In that definition are two driving factors that we need to keep in our minds at all time. Number one, the glory of God. That is the first and most important thing. Mission is not merely a humanitarian concern, though that's important. It's not the driving force, though, of mission. Mission is propelled by a deep love for the name and the glory of God. The love of Christ compels me, Paul said. Paul wrote in Romans 1, 5, that his goal was to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for Christ's namesake. We do it all for his glory, his worship, his praise, his adoration among all peoples. The second part of that loose definition that we need to keep before ourselves is that it comes out of our identity as God's people. We are the people of God called to God. So then all mission in our lives needs to flow from the new identity that we have in Christ We are identified in Christ as beloved. So because we are loved, we now love others with the love with which we have been loved. Our identity is we have been saved. So because we are saved, we now seek to see others saved by the one who saved us. Our identity is we have been reconciled. So having been reconciled, we now labor to see others reconciled to God and one another because we are reconciled people. And because our identity is adopted and cared for, we now seek to care for other people because we are cared for by God. Everything that we do in mission comes out of the new identity that we have in Christ as God's people for the glory of God. So then mission is not just a program of the church. It defines the church as God sent people. John Stott says that, well, an excellent book I recommend to you, The Living Church. John Stott says, we are called out of the world to belong to God and also sent back into the world to witness and to serve. Moreover, the mission of the church is modeled on the mission of Christ, Missio Christi. He himself said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So our self-understanding needs to be that we are a sent people. And that we are supposed to, get this, we are supposed to be the church, not go to church. Church. If as many of us would be the church as as many of us go to church, be radical. We are called to be the church, not go to church. The church is who we are Monday through Saturday, not where we go on Sunday. And so mission is meant to be everyday, normal, easy, doable life. Where you are right now, Christ is on mission. He began to do and teach. He is teaching and doing in your context. But you're a part of that. We need to see ourselves as sent and on full-time mission. And the last point and a brief one is how should we understand our context as North Americans? The modern missionary movement is something that we identify as starting in 1792 and going until present time. It's been the most successful period of missions throughout the history of the church, the modern missionary movement. We identify it as starting in 1792 with a man named William Carey. William Carey was a shoemaker in England. William Carey was self-taught and had a heart after God. By the time he was 21... He had mastered Hebrew, Greek, Latin, and Italian. He made for himself out of shoe leather a globe. And he read the diaries of Captain Hook, or Hook, Captain Cook. We read Captain Hook. He read Cook. And and what 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 he gleaned from that was the immense need for Christ around the world. And he began to develop a heart for the nations and a burden for the nations and the mission of God and the ministry of the gospel. And he wrote a book in 1792. The title of that book, check out, this is how they used to title books. This is so cool. The title of that book is an Enquiry into the obligations of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathens. That's only half of it in which the religious state of the different nations of the world, the success of former undertakings, and the predictability of further undertakings are considered. That was the title of his book. I've got a book coming out this spring. The title is Big God. I need like 60 more words. Anyway... He wrote that book, and in the same year, he preached a sermon entitled Expect Great Things from God, Attempt Great Things for God, and it changed the world. Men and women began to go in a whole new movement among the nations. Two years later, William Carey himself went to India and served the Lord there for 43 years and saw incredible fruit. He started the modern missionary movement. Now what we could say about the modern missionary movement is with all its controversy and all its failures, it's been incredibly successful for worldwide evangelization. But what we have to say about our own context, North America is that in recent years, North America, the church, has not only suffered a loss in people going to church, but also a loss in power and influence, influence for the gospel and for Christ within society. And so the question that responsible Christians need to ask themselves is how should we view our immediate context? of North America. Are we to see ourselves as an evangelized people or as a mission field? In 1908, Pope Pius X terminated the mission status of the American church. Now whether that was right or wrong to do in the Catholic church in 1908, I don't know, I wasn't there. But I'm here right now And I look around our context in North America and I see a culture that is far from God and in rebellion to God. I see a church that is far from God. I see a gospel that has been perverted and maligned. And I see an increasingly anti-church, anti-Christian, anti-Christ spirit and attitude working. And my conclusion is that if North America was ever evangelized, it is no longer. That we must begin to view our context as a mission field. Our society is post Christian and moving rapidly toward anti Christian. And why that concerns us is not because we need to be a church with political influence or because we're afraid of being marginalized. I would argue that the church has worked historically best from the margins. The reason that bothers us is because we don't want men and women to go to hell. And so I think it's fair and proper to speak of North America as a mission field. A full-blown mission field. If you don't agree with me, just think about your own workplace, your own school, your own friends and your own family and tell me if it's not a mission field. Having then agreed that our context is a mission field we must all ask ourselves, how can we as the church and a church, be faithful to Jesus, the gospel, the scriptures, and our calling and sending here in North America? That's the question we need to ask every day. How can we be faithful? And what we need to do is declare the church as being back on mission status. And that's what the series is about. As a father sent me, I also send you. And it starts with a call to allow our paradigms to be shifted, to move from thinking that missions is over there, to realizing that mission is right here. to move from thinking that mission is something they do, to realizing that mission is what we do. to move from thinking that as a church we just send people to realizing that as the church we are sent people. And so God's mission is his calling of us to himself in worship, the sending of us into the world in service to represent his kingdom and proclaim his gospel wherever we find ourselves. And may God Help us to be faithful. Lord, we thank you for involving us in your work, your heart, your purpose, and your passion. And we just ask, Lord, that you start to do a work in our hearts that would free us to be the church. I Pray first for myself, Lord, that you would help me to be less selfish and self-absorbed, Cling less to the things of this world and run harder for your glory. Pray for each one of us. That you give us a bigger heart for people that is consistent with your gospel. Inspire us, Holy Spirit. to be on mission and in motion for the glory of God.